0: This episode of Lawyers Tell All is brought to you by Law Firm Conversions. If your law firm's phone is ringing, that only means your marketing is successful. It's what happens when the phone is answered that will drive your success or failure. Visit www.intakeacademy.com and claim your free copy of this groundbreaking book, along with resources on mental health for intake specialists and empathy. Plus, become eligible to receive a free 15 minute consult with Chris Mullins. Welcome to the Lawyers Tell All podcast, where Chris Mullins, the preeminent sales and communications consultant in the legal industry, shows you how it looks through lawyers' eyes. Here, innovators in the trenches provide powerful insights that help you connect with new clients, handle the sometimes harsh realities of the legal profession, and embrace the mindsets needed to succeed. Be sure to visit our website at www.lawyerstellall.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, tune in, and let's take a deep dive.
1: Hello everyone. It's Chris Mullins with Lawyers Tell All, and today I am going to be interviewing Vadim Glossman. Did I get it right? Is that good right? It? You got it right. All right. I'm going to let Vadim tell you a little bit about himself. Go ahead.
2: Um, I'm a attorney in Chicago, Illinois. I practice fi- primarily federal criminal defense, everything from violent and drug crimes to white collar crimes. I also do some select civil litigation, whether it's some kind of investigation with the SEC or CFTC, or maybe some kind of other. No civil case it might get brought into.
1: Okay. And so um, what, why don't you give everybody your website?
2: My website is www.glosmanlaw.com It's not very creative, but it's just my last name law.com.
1: Glasman is G-L-O-Z like zebra, M like man, A-N like no, right? That's correct. Okay. Super. So um, how long have you been an attorney?
2: I've been an attorney for almost 10 years.
1: Oh, oh you're a youngster. <laughs>
2: uh, this business ages you so I don't feel as young as I am.
1: Yeah. But you have you're 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 pretty successful, right?
2: Yeah, I was very unfortunate. I got to work for one of the premier criminal defense attorneys in Chicago right out of law school and you know, he was kind of at the latter end of his career. So he really let me kind of cannibal into this and really ran my hands around some complex federal cases where I got to do things and learn things that usually people at my level wouldn't get to do. So I kind of immersed myself in this business right away and was probably doing things I wasn't qualified to do, but kind of just baptism by fire, I guess.
1: Well, that's a, so, and who was this uh, attorney that you were able to learn from?
2: His name's Ed Jensen. He was um, very prominent in Chicago. Um, he referred to himself as the Dean of Criminal Defense in Chicago. And Okay. He represented everyone from politicians to celebrities to um alleged mob members and you know things like that
1: well that is like amazing opportunity for you
2: yeah I got very lucky
1: that's huge that is huge and you but you didn't waste it so what are the biggest things you learned from him
2: kinda, you' kind of you got immerse yourself in this business it's um you know it's hard to check your work at the door when you're a lawyer especially when you do you know criminal defense and you know federal criminal defense like we do it's kind of something you carry with you all day. You're constantly thinking about cases you're constantly talking to clients and it just it kind of becomes your personality it becomes who you are and you kind of always taught me that it, it's it's not just a, a job or a career it's kind of a life you make for yourself and all the all the people in our business who are successful and have been able to sustain long careers i've kind of seen that in them too is you got to immerse yourself in the business and just be a part of it not just be you know vadim Glasman, who's a lawyer nine to five but be vadim Glasman, the criminal defense attorney
1: 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you the question then. Um, when you became an attorney, like I'm, I'm guessing you probably already knew it's a gazillion hours and everything, but, but before you had this mentorship experience, did you realize that you were, it was really about you're all in 24 seven?
2: I had no idea. I didn't have any lawyers in my family. The only lawyers I really knew about were, you know, what I'd see on TV or in a movie was very ignorant about all of it and you know I had a couple other clerkships um doing other things very short and I never really felt the connection to it but right, right when I was doing criminal defense it kind of felt right it felt like something I wanted to do it felt like I was almost good at it right away obviously I didn't know much but it just kind of came naturally to me
1: Hmm. okay so how, how did you decide on criminal defense though like how'd that happen
2: You know, right before I started law school, I was an intern at the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. Um, They prosecute cases around Chicago state cases. And I worked there for a few months. And, you know, every time I was in court, I kind of saw myself more identifying with the defense attorneys. And my supervisor there, her husband, was actually a fairly prominent criminal defense attorney in Chicago. So when I started law school, I went to work for him. She got me a job with him. And during that time, I did a little bit of internship at a per- small personal injury firm oh. I wasn't grasping it I wasn't you know it wasn't interesting to me yeah all, all the stuff that I was doing in that job kind of made sense and he officed with who I ended up being my first boss at Jensen that's how I met him through my first internship and okay I would always kind of just it made sense to me which you know sometimes the law just doesn't make sense the first time you look at it or things you do yeah. but with criminal defense it did
1: yeah and probably, like, Mr. Jensen, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe like you fell in love with the relationship, so that relationship really helped you. Yeah, criminal is exactly, criminal defense is what I want.
2: No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I never actually thought about that before, and no one's really mentioned it, but I think, well, I don't think, I, I don't know if maybe I worked for kind of a run-of-the-mill firm, where they were kind of just churning cases and, you know, doing small ones. I don't know if I would have been as enthralled of it or as you know kind of captivated by the whole thing it was very interesting just to see these big cases that you read about in the newspaper or see on the news and I'm I'm just getting thrown into it and getting to do like substantial work on it so it's kind of cool
1: yeah it's kind of like whoa I'm actually doing that I'm not like just reading it I, it's me now
2: yeah and I had some successful um things that I did on some cases that I, didn't have any business doing. I kind of just took the bull by the horns and was proactive about it and did some things on the case which worked out in the client's favor and, you know, impressed him and impressed some of the other attorneys that were working on the cases with us and, you know, kind of just kept going after that. You know, you build up your ego a little bit, you build yeah. up some success and kind of see yourself doing it more long term.
1: So was it was it like risk taking or, or more like just uh, trying to build your confidence by leaping forward?
2: I don't know. I had this thing about me where for some reason, just out of the gate, I wasn't scared of anything. I wasn't really that nervous. Um, it was probably a lot of ignorance working against me. Just, you know, the less, you know, the yeah. less you know, what you don't know. And I kind of just took the chance. I wanted to prove myself. Um, what happened was I started being his law clerk. And at that time he was interviewing for other associate attorneys and I was about a year away from you know passing the bar, and I went into his office, and you know my heart was pounding out of my chest. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I said, "You know, if you're interviewing for associate attorneys, I'd like to be considered." Mm. So he looked at me and said, "You're already being considered. Now get out of my office."
1: Wait, what did he say? Say it again. You're already being
2: considered. Now oh. get out of my office. <laughs> and, um, so I kind of used that as a drive to you know show him that you know you should wait for me. I'll be a good addition to your firm and ended up doing just that he interviewed a lot of people who actually had experience doing what he was looking for but i don't know maybe he saw something in me that wanted to have to give me a chance
1: okay so what do you think he saw in you
2: <laughs> it's fun he said that to, he said this to a client that he had who will later end up being my client and he says you know vadim he's a tough russian kid <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think he just he thought it was tough I and mean, i think some things you could learn and teach, and some things you can't. I think he appreciated my toughness and my resilience, and kind of the lack of fear I had doing things.
1: Yeah, like I'm looking at you right now, and I'm, I'm uh, profiling you. I'm like, yeah, that that you do seem kind of like confident and tough, and like no nonsense. Yeah, I, I guess I get that. That's great. That's really good, but like a little while ago you said something about um you i think you said something like you related more to the criminal defense like when you were at the p i firm and then you related more to criminal defense um what 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 was it that attracted you to the criminal defense area like what was it that went ding 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 ding?
2: I think it was just the cases were more interesting, and the fact patterns are more interesting. And like I said, for some reason, the dots just connected to me when I read something. And, you know, obviously I had a lot to learn and I still have a lot to learn. I don't think you're ever done learning, but I can kind of spot the issues right away. Mm -hmm. Um, What was going to be an issue in the case? What wasn't going to be an issue? What needs to be focused on? Mm -hmm. I was always very good at, you know, if there are multiple issues in the case, you know, conceding some and figuring out which ones should be focused on for the greater good of the case. And I think you said, I see no nonsense. and I think I am no nonsense. I think that's one of the things that people who hire me like about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lose out on a lot of clients because some clients just want a yes man who will tell them whatever they want to hear. Yeah. And tell them it's going to be okay. And then when it doesn't go okay or doesn't say what they promised, they kind of just shrug their shoulders and move on. And that's not really my approach. I'm always, you know, a no BS approach. I, I kind of tell them what it, how it is, how I see it, what I think we can do, what I think we can't do. And if they want a lawyer who's just going to tell them what they want to hear, I'm not the guy for them. But if they want a lawyer who's going to be honest with them, no matter if it hurts or not, um, they should consider hiring me.
1: Well, that that piece right there that you said, that whole piece right down to they should consider hiring me. I'm hoping that you say that to your prospective clients.
2: I really do. And I always tell them, you know, I never pressure them to hire me. I always tell them this is your life on the line and you should hire whoever you feel most comfortable with. That's what the most important thing here is. You know, you're going to get a lot of lawyers who can probably get you similar results, um, maybe some better than others, but in a lot of cases, probably similar results. And at the end of the day, it's your life on the line. It's your liberty on the line. It's your family's livelihood on the line. And you should be comfortable going through it. It's not just about the end results sometimes. It's about how you get there. And, you know, this has to be open communication. There has to be honesty. There has to be trust. And those kind of things, not just, you know, pay me my money, hire me, and I'll get you the result. It's a stressful situations, and sometimes mm. you need to guide people through it. Actually, when I hired my um, new associate, she asked me why in our letterhead it says attorneys and counselors. She and asked saying, what?
1: Say it again?
2: Like why in our letterhead it says attorneys and counselors. Explain mm-hmm. that part of what we do is we counsel our clients through these situations not just following the law and doing, you know, the motions, all those kind of things. It's guiding them through the process and making sure they feel comfortable and make sure they know that everything's being done in their best interest.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good question. That's pretty that's pretty good that she asked you that. I
2: yeah, mean it's inquisitive.
1: Yeah, it's, it says it says it says a lot about her. Um okay, well so now there's so many things I want to ask you, but I'm going to ask you this question. Let's talk about empathy for a second, because um, so what we do at in our business, it's intake Academy, and we uh, train and coach team members, uh, every firm seems to be calling intake something different these days, but it's primarily intake, or or attorneys, depending on who has that role, on how to convert and convert more, like convert, convert, convert. But one of the things that you have to learn to do that is empathy. And because you, if, you, if you don't have empathy, you, you can't convert. And if you don't have empathy with your clients, it's tough to retain them or at least retain a really good relationship with them. So the reason I'm asking you is, um, do you, what do you think about empathy? And and the reason I'm, the, the reason I'm asking this is because we're talking about criminal defense. We're talking about the tough mindedness, all of that. Um, and like being direct with the clients. Do you feel like empathy gets in the way of that image?
2: Not for me. I think I employ empathy every day with every client. I don't think it's fair to the client if I'm not empathetic with their situation. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of most people, if not all people that I deal with, it's not that they're bad people. It's that they did something bad and it doesn't define who they are as a person or define their life as a whole. And if I'm not empathetic to their position, I can't always be, expect myself to act in their best interest. You know, they're not just another number. They're not just another file. They're not just another fee to collect. If mm-hmm. you show empathy, I think clients could tell. They can tell if you actually care about them and they could tell if they are just another file. And that's part yeah. of making them comfortable. And, you know, it's, it's asking questions about them. It's asking questions about the case. If you, I mean, if you talk about intake, you have to be inquisitive about their case. You have to ask questions and details and not just, okay, what kind of case is it? Where is it? This is how much I charge. I don't think that's going to convert you as much or like you said, retain the long yeah. relationship that might end up with not just this client being happy regardless of the result, but also lead to other referrals.
1: Right, yeah, 100%. But like the, the, the other piece is um, there's the deep down... Um, intimate empathy moments where intake is on the phone with a prospective client and hearing the story on why that person is calling. And some of those, some of those stories in in your area, um, it's tough for team members to wrap their heads around it, you know, to still be there for that person in that moment on that call without showing any other thoughts and feelings, right? Um, what do you think about that?
2: I think there has to be a good balance between emotionally being empathetic and objectively looking at a situation. I don't think you need to necessarily completely dive into this empathy for them to actually feel that like you have it for because you do have to be objective. You can't just take a case just because you uh-huh. feel sorry for someone or because you feel bad for someone. There has to be something you could do for them. Uh-huh. So I, I think it's a balance of being objective and being empathetic. You, you shouldn't let the empathy cloud your judgment, because at the end of the day, you saw running a business and you can't represent everyone that you feel bad for.
1: Right, right.
2: It has to be be a balance of, you know what, you were wronged or you're in a bad position. I want to help you, but I also think I can't help you.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Saying, saying it with confidence too. One of the things like, um, if you don't already do this, what you could do for with intake or whomever's handling prospects, Prospective client um, inquiries, but also client relationships. One of the best ways to to provide empathy without being uncomfortable, or not everybody is comfortable with providing empathy or understands how to do it. Um, it, It's really they can just do active listening. That's it. That's all. I mean, if you just hear what the person said, whether it's prospect or client, and have that habit of the active listening that's providing empathy you don't have to worry about oh my god i don't know how to do it and the person feels like you heard them and you actually did hear them because if you uh you if you you can't do active listening if you're not listening so yeah what do you think about that
2: i agree i think some people just want someone to listen and to care um i think that's a big part of it and not just you know, get the small details that you need or interrupt them and kind of get to the chase so you can get to the next call. You have, you have to treat them like a human being. We usually are human beings. And that's what it does, at least for me. Um, you know, my practice isn't that big now, so I still do all my own intake. I get calls come in, but...
1: Ah! Oh, no. I, I
2: sell myself to every client. You're killing me. <laughs> I, um, you know, I'm not a high-volume business. I, uh,
1: Yeah.
2: It's, just, it, it's easier for me. I, I like to be the one who makes the decision.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I want them to decide based on me, not necessarily what someone else says about me.
1: Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Are you happy?
2: Happy. I think that's a loaded question, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, but um, you have a nice smile. so. Thank you. Uh, so let me ask you this. Stress. What's it like? Is it crazy stressful? Or is it not stressful? How are you managing it?
2: No, it's stressful. Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask about how to manage stress. I constantly carry it around with me, you know, some days less than other um, days. I think in my business, at least for me, it feels like all of my client burdens are on my shoulders. Mm. So, you know, I take their issues personally. And so all day I'm, you know, dealing with all these other people's issues, all these like the worst parts of their lives or the worst parts mm. of their days. And then you come home, and it's it's tough to separate that, and it's tough to you know, prioritize the stress that comes with just being a human yeah. and a personal life. So I'm still working on that part.
1: Yeah. At all. Yeah. Do you, do you have a family?
2: I do. I have a, a wife and a toddler.
1: A toddler. Wow. How old is your toddler?
2: Uh, I think he's 20 months old.
1: Oh, boy. Cute. The cute, crazy age. <laughs> he's the cutest kid. I'll bet. I will bet. Well, I'm I'm gonna hopefully you'll keep working on that self-care part of it. That's probably like the most important piece.
2: Um it is. I think you gotta keep your mental health balanced yeah. in order to be able to be effective in this job.
1: That's one of the things that um I would like to see law firms do a good job at is providing mental health support to everybody in the firm, whether it's through insurance or just, you know, resources or maybe a speaker come in on a regular basis. That's in, you know, that mental health is the appropriate person and just keep it uh, top of mind awareness for everybody in the firm, including attorneys, everybody like mental health is important to us because everybody has to, is talking to a prospect or a client and those stories, no matter what they're traumatizing to the receiver and you can, you know, PTSD is, you know, alive and well everywhere, especially in law firms. And then, uh, you know, the suicide rates for attorneys are are huge. So that's one of the things I would like to see is just across the board, focus on mental health and self-care firm-wide.
2: No, I agree. In, in my state, in Illinois, the new requirements for CLE is that some of the hours have to be about mental health. They used to not be i think they changed just a couple of years ago and so they're trying to push that i think there's lawyer assistance programs and probably underutilized but yeah. you know, it's hard to do everything you need to do when especially when you're running your own practice or,
1: yeah no i i understand uh, um okay what would you what would you like everybody uh like what else could you teach the folks that are watching this um best practices tips mistakes you made whatever you want it's up to you
2: you gotta be the most prepared lawyer in the courtroom. Um, that, that's always the advice I got. And I think, I think it's the best advice I got because you never know what's gonna come. You, you might think one thing's gonna happen in court or something else is gonna happen in court or one thing's gonna get argued into motion or another thing. And you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to adjust or call an audible. And you can't do that unless you know everything about the case and the applicable law. And I think some of the mistakes that lawyers make is kind of trying to fly by the seat of their pants. I understand. Sometimes it's just the nature of the practice. Um, I think the more preparation you can put into a case, the better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. What's the future hold for for you and and your firm?
2: I'm trying to just build a an established practice. You know, bring in people who could add value to our clients, add value to our case results, and kind of just grow our reputation in the city. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm never actively looking to just hire someone. I'm always trying to hire the right person, not yeah. just someone. Yeah.
1: So you, you, you want to grow as far as firm size or, or not really?
2: I'd like to grow a little bit in firm size. I'm not really looking for to have a, a big firm or a mid-sized firm or anything like that, but you know, have a handful of attorneys and support staff and things like that. And just,
0: I don't want a high volume
2: practice. I want. Yeah high stakes cases where I could try to help people and really kind of sink my teeth into them. See what I can help people out. That's awesome. That's wonderful.
1: All right. Any last words?
2: It was a pleasure talking with you and uh, I look forward to watching this after we're done.
1: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. All right. So long everyone. Chris Mullins with Lawyers Tell All. Bye everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning into Lawyers Tell All where Chris Mullins takes you on a journey with lawyers in the trenches who show you the realities of what it takes to succeed in this chaotic, crowded, ever-changing profession. Remember to visit our website at www.lawyerstellall.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on Lawyers Tell All.